thank you, Jason. Uh, we are going to go into today's scripture, which comes from Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read verses 15 through 21. We're going to be reading it in the ESV. I encourage you to find uh, the scripture, to look it up, uh, as we will reference it throughout the message. Uh, but I'll also project it, uh, we're going to project it here on the screen so that uh, you can follow along. So again, it's Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him. And he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the, in, in the streets. A bruised reed he will, will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Until he brings justice to victory, and in, in his name the Gentiles will hope. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right. Well, today's message uh, is a continuation of our sermon series, Life in the Spirit. Today's message is called Justice to Victory. And we have been talking about uh, some of the issues that have been going on where we're talking about racial injustices in this country and just a lot of the disturbing things that we've been seeing in the media and just trying to figure out how do we navigate this uh, as uh, Christ followers how do we navigate this in the spirit of Christ? And so we, we have been, and part of the reason why this is a, a five-week series, we have been talking about that we don't want this to just be a moment where, you know, people are sad or outraged or, you know, they post something on social media and then move on with their lives. We want to see the process, the journey of justice. And so we have been using as a template uh, the five stages of grief, and today we are on bargaining. And so what we're going to be talking about today is kind of, uh, you know, bargaining, but it's also like sort of, you know, uh, compromise. You know, how, what are ways that we don't quite get to justice because we compromise, because we bargain, because we jump off the, the, the justice train too quickly, that we're bought off. Um, and, and so this might sound kind of funny, but hopefully you'll understand why I, I'm beginning with this, but I want us to imagine the classic Charles Dickens tale, A Christmas Carol. You, you all know A Christmas Carol, right? Uh, this is a screenshot from uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, because I'm like, hey, if there's a Muppet version, why not show that? Uh, and so, you know, in, in the classic story, there's this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge, who, uh, you know, loves money a lot. Uh, he you know, pretty much only just cares about money in, in, in his business. Um, he's very stingy with his money. He underpays his employees and hoards all the money. And uh, basically, you know, he goes through this, this spiritual crisis where um, he's confronted with uh, his past and with his present and with his future. And in the end, he ends up changing, right? He has a change of heart. And so he's got this uh, employee, Bob Cratchit, who has a young son, uh, Tiny Tim, who is sick, and uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge sees a vision where, spoiler alert, I mean, is it okay to give a spoiler for something over 100 years old? I, I feel like it is. <laughs> but uh, uh, he sees a vision of Tiny, to, uh, of Tiny Tim's 
tombstone, tiny tomb, tiny Tim's tombstone, and uh, realizing that if nothing changes, that that this young boy is going to die, and so will he. And so he changes his ways, and he, uh, he there, there's this great scene, um, as you can see here. This is the thing that sticks in my mind the most, is that uh, Ebenezer Scrooge buys the biggest turkey he can, and he delivers, de- delivers it to Bob Cratchit's home f- uh, at Christmas. And then he goes over there and announces that he's going to give uh, Bob Cratchit a big raise, that he's going to treat him more fairly. And he actually ends up being like a second father to Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim doesn't die, right? And, and we're told in the sort of uh, the wrap-up portion um, of Christmas Carol that, that Ebenezer Scrooge lives with the spirit of Christmas every day, and it totally changes how he lives. But I want to imagine for a moment an alternate ending to Christmas Carol. What if Ebenezer Scrooge, right, just like in the original tale, that he buys the turkey, for Bob Cratchit and for his family. And he delivers the turkey. He's like, here you go, Bob. And Bob's like, well, thank you. And he's like, Merry Christmas. And that's it. That's it. Nothing else. He doesn't give Bob Cratchit a raise, right? He, he doesn't change the way that he treats his employees. He doesn't live with the Christmas spirit every day. But all he does is he's like, hey, you know what? Bob, I haven't been treating you well, so let me get you this nice, big, fat turkey. And doesn't change anything else. Would that be enough? Will Christmas Carol become the classic that, that it has become? Or would Tiny Tim still die? Tiny Tim probably still dies if all he does is buy the turkey, right? Or how about this? How about this? Let's, let's go a little bit further. What if Scrooge doesn't even buy a turkey? You know, because turkeys are really expensive, you know? But he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put up a banner in front of my business that says, employees matter. And, and what if Bob Cratchit comes to work and he's like, Bob, you matter. All right, get back to work. Doesn't change pay, right? That doesn't, you know, create more, uh, better working environments or anything like that. Costs him no money. But all he releases is a statement. You probably see where I'm going with this, Right? where um, I think in this moment, it is very easy for people to say something, right? To say that they support a movement or that Black Lives Matter or that, um, you know, they're against these injustices. To, to make a statement on social media, to make a statement on their website, you know? And, and that's great. But if that's all there is, what is that really worth? There was an article in Washington Post about this very sort of thing. And uh, I want to show you the headline here. Um, So it says, as big corporations say black lives matter, their track records raise skepticism. So in this article, they talk about there's some businesses that, you know, maybe have had some unjust practices, maybe have actually harmed the black community. But they'll do these things and they'll say, oh, Black Lives Matter. They'll put that on their official Twitter. They'll put that on their website. You know, they'll change the logo and, you know, like put a ribbon or something, you know. But if you don't actually change your behavior, then what does it matter? It's just kind of cheap, right? And so I just want to show you, this is a quote from that, that article. Um, so this is uh, somebody who's working on... Uh, racial and economic justice, uh, this person said, 
these are some of the same banks. So some, some of these banks that come out and say Black Lives Matter. And I guess one of the really famous ones was, I believe it was Chase Bank, uh, their CEO. Uh, th- there's like a, a post of him on social media of him kneeling with a bunch of employees, right, in solidarity of the black community. And, and people are like, okay, that's nice. But these are some of the same banks that ripped so much wealth from black and Latino communities during the fl- foreclosure crisis. Corporate statements supporting Black Lives Matter stand empty, he said, without meaningful actions such as directing profits back into black communities, eliminating racial pay disparities, increasing hiring from black neighborhoods and promoting black employees. All of these things would show that this is more than just platitudes. It is more than just a saying. It's more than just Public relations, PR, just trying to look good, right? If there were actual actions that helped create more equity or helped to dismantle injustice. But as it stands, sometimes all we get is a little blurb on social media. You know, somebody changing their profile picture, right? But no actual meaningful change. Is that enough? Uh, James Baldwin, who uh, I think this was said some 40 years ago, but it is very relevant today. James Baldwin said, the sad part is that most people who say they care don't really care. What they care about is their safety and their profits. Oh, that, that, that quote is over 40 years old, but man, it's so true today, isn't it? That maybe it's profitable to say you care. But when your profits suffer or could sort of take a hit in the cause of justice, would you be willing to do that? We want to take a look of, uh, at this passage because in it you see a proclamation of what the Spirit of God is trying to do in Jesus' ministry. And I think you'll see in this passage, it's more than just saying something. It is more than just in a moment protesting something even. I'm not saying those things are bad. But I think the Spirit of Christ wants to do more. And so let's take a look. Uh, so at the beginning of the passage here, um, it says, Jesus, aware of this, and, and of course the question is, aware of what? He withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Now, I, I want us to understand the context of what's going on. What was Jesus aware of? Why does Jesus withdraw and, and sort of, um, you know, uh, he, he tells people not to make him known, not to tell other people what he's been doing. And so uh, if you look earlier, so what had happened was Jesus was teaching about the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, particularly for uh, the Jewish people uh, in Judaism, the Sabbath is supposed to be made holy. But they added sort of all these restrictions that became really legalistic. And so, you know, uh, they were trying to trip up Jesus to try to, like, kind of get him on a technicality. And so Jesus was healing people, and they're like, Jesus, are you going to heal on the Sabbath? Right? Because we think that's wrong. And so Jesus asks this question. He says, uh, there's a man who has a, a withered hand, and he said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Um, well, they ask him this so that they can accuse him. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. 
This is often how injustice is created, brothers and sisters, is that we take law and we say, ah, it's the law, can't break the law. This is exactly what uh, the Jewish leaders do, is they hide behind laws and they're like, mm, can't heal, right? It's the law. And Jesus is saying, there's a guy suffering here. There's a guy who's got a withered hand from birth, right? If you had an animal and it fell into a pit on the Sabbath, you wouldn't think twice to help it. But you don't want me to help this man because of your law, right? And so Jesus says, this man is much of much more value than a sheep. And he says, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So this is what Jesus is aware of. He knows that the Pharisees are trying to destroy him, trying to discredit him, trying to kill him and stop his ministry. And so Jesus withdraws. But many follow him. And guess what? Jesus continues to heal. Right? So Don't think for a moment that Jesus is caving into the authorities. He's like, hey, there's people who are sick, and I am going to restore them. I can't stand by and watch their suffering and do nothing. But he orders the people to say nothing. And that might seem kind of odd to us. You know, maybe this would have been a good moment for Jesus to show up the Pharisees, to show up the religious leaders of his time. But he doesn't do that. And we're told, and this is what we're going to spend the bulk of this message looking at, is this passage where we're told this was to fulfill what, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So this is a prophecy about Jesus. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. Right? So this is what the spirit is going to do. The Spirit is upon Jesus, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. That's what the Spirit wants to do. The Spirit wants to bring justice. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. So this idea of a bruise he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, it means the people who are most vulnerable in this society, the people who are close to breaking, the people who have almost burnt out, Jesus will not harm them. No, he will not harm them. Until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Now, why doesn't Jesus quarrel or cry aloud? Right? Isn't that our natural instinct in times like this, to call out the injustice? That's what most people do. Call it out on Twitter. Call it out on Facebook. Call it out on social media. Right? Call out your employers and, and, and tell them that this isn't right. This is wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying in this instance, that isn't what Jesus does. Now, I want to point out that Jesus does cry out at different times. He just doesn't cry out here. Right? You guys remember when Jesus is on the cross, right? The, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not thinking in his head, right? Someone wrote it down because he said it out loud. He cries out loud. Do you remember there are times where he actually challenges the Pharisees? He calls them a brood of vipers, right? 
he calls it out. Where I'm not saying, and, and I don't think you can take this passage and take it out of context and say, oh, see, as Christians, we just need to be like really docile and really tame and really quiet. Shut your mouth. Don't speak out against injustice. That's not what it's saying, right? But it's saying in this instance, there was a time and place. And for Jesus, the time hadn't come. There will be a time, and there was a time, for Jesus to call out injustice, right? But for some of us, we we don't understand timing, and we just think you're always supposed to do it. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I'm just saying that's not what Jesus did, right? But what we're told is that the Spirit's mission is about bringing out justice, So regardless of if Jesus is crying out about it or arguing with people about it, right? He doesn't get an argument on Twitter with the Pharisees about their unjust practices and about their legalism, right? He doesn't do that, right? But we are told that the Spirit is trying to bring about justice. And he is very concerned with the suffering of other people. He will not harm people who are already bruised. He will not let those go out who are already like a smoldering candle wick on their last little spark, right? And, and he will do all of this until he brings justice to victory. What does that mean? That means that, that what the Spirit is trying to do is to bring about full justice, to bring justice to completion, to victory, as it says, Right? So Jesus is not concerned about just the moment, right? For many of us, we get very obsessed about the moment. But what Jesus is obsessed about, or what Jesus is most concerned about, is the victory, is actual justice coming about, right? So could it be that there's some of us that we sort of, you know, like like we'll say something. You know, as soon as something bad happens... There's a little bit of public pressure, I'll be honest. You know, there's been a lot of criticism about uh, people who didn't speak out uh, about the injustices right away. Dave Chappelle, who is a black comedian who's been very vocal about some of these issues, didn't say something right away. And there were some media people who criticized him. They're like, where's Dave Chappelle? Why isn't he saying anything? And he was like, he, he said later, he said, Dude, can you give me some time to grieve this, to mourn this, to process this? And by the way, I didn't say anything because the young people are carrying this. You know, me as this older person, I feel like I want to let the younger voices come out, right? Whether you agree with them or not, there is a pressure for many of us to say something, right? Um, When a lot of this stuff was coming out, there were a a lot of pastor friends of mine, a lot of churches coming out with statements, Black Lives Matter, and, um, you know, we stand in support of, of, you know, this movement, or we stand against racial injustice. And, you know, I I felt that that pressure, too. I'm like, oh, should I say something? I I, I told you all uh, in the sermon after, uh, right after um, a lot of this stuff was coming out, you know, I said, hey, I am going to speak about this but I'm not going to speak about it today um, specifically because I need some time. I need some time to process this. I need some time to pray through this. And I want to make sure that what we say um, is more than just a knee-jerk reaction, right? Just saying something to get people off your back. And I think that sometimes, you know, I, I can't judge the motives of any individual person, but I wonder, maybe for some of these corporations who have a history of, 
inequality or have a history of taking advantage of black and brown communities. And, and they just release a statement. I wonder if that's a way of just being like, hey, get off our back. We said something. Right? If you, if you kind of um, like, like say it really loud, you can kind of convince people that you mean it, right? If, if you quarrel or cry aloud, which Jesus did not do in this instance, right? But sometimes we think like we can convince people we care, right? I care about this, I care about this, and you do nothing. You do nothing. Not really. Yeah, maybe just in this moment, we care. But this is how a lot of stuff in this country happens, right? You remember, like, every single mass shooting in this country, every politician, every stinking politician in this country will say something like, my thoughts and prayers go out to the community of Newtown, Connecticut. My thoughts and prayers go out to the community of Aurora, Colorado. And they do nothing. They literally do nothing. Right? Like, like no legislation changes. No, no, no uh, uh, legislation to, to limit the sale of guns or you know, to try to keep our children safe. Nothing. All they do is they say they care. They cry aloud, and that's it. And that's not what Jesus is interested in. Jesus is interested with bringing justice to victory. And that, my friends, that's not done in a moment, right? That's a process. And even for a lot of us in the church, we get very obsessed with what Jesus did on the cross, which, by the way, don't get me wrong, right? Don't get me wrong. This is a pivotal moment in human history when Jesus goes to the cross and dies, defeats sin and death, right? Well, you will notice that Jesus' primary message here on earth, his good news was not just about one moment. It is about what? The kingdom of God. What does it mean to bring justice to victory? Now, the cross is very instrumental for that right? There, there is a great sense of justice that comes about. Our sense of justice is based on the idea that our human worth comes from God and who God says we are. That worth is bought, paid for in blood on the cross of Jesus Christ, right? And so as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, I must treat every single person with the dignity that they have been bought with. I must treat people by their full worth. I cannot treat anyone as less than because of the justice that the cross brings about, right? Does that make sense? But at the same time, when it says he brings justice to victory, there's a sense of completion there. There is more than just saying, hey, you know what, we, we widened the gate, right? So Gentiles, you guys can now believe in, in, in Jesus, and now you're included in this kingdom. That's a part of it. But there's a sense of completion that, that, we, that we, we hear about, that we don't always preach about, or we don't always maybe promote as much, as, as just kind of I, believing in Jesus. That's a moment, right? Believing in Jesus is a moment. The kingdom of God is a movement. Right? 
And, and so that is Jesus's primary message. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's breaking into human history, right? And so when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is bringing justice to victory. What would this world look like? How would we be treating each other? What would our institutions look like? What would our bank's lending practices look like? What would criminal justice look like? What would the way that we police people look like? If God's kingdom had come here on earth, if his will was being done on earth as it is in heaven, that is bringing justice to victory. By the way, I want to show you um, the original passage in Isaiah that this is uh, uh, kind of quoting. It it paraphrases a little bit because sometimes in the translations they change. So I want to show you because I I think it's kind of cool and you'll see uh, what... What God is trying to do through the Holy Spirit. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. That's how the, that phrase uh, gets put here, the bring justice to victory. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. I think sometimes we, you know, know how hard this process can be. The process is messy. The process is long. This journey is hard. Justice is not brought about easily. It is much easier to just cry out for a moment and say, I care, and not do the hard work of justice. And to be honest, for many of us, as we continue in this work of justice, you may find out that the issues are very complicated. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot entrenched in our society. And to be honest, there's a lot for us that either makes us very uncomfortable or we realize that there's a cost to it. There's a cost to justice because we have been benefiting from injustice. Ibram Kendi believes that racial injustice happens not because people are like terrible and they just hate other people just for the sake of hating them, Racial injustice happens because of self-interest. I mean, let's be honest, right? Why, why did people bring slaves to America? They didn't bring slaves to America just because they wanted to imprison people. They brought slaves to America because they made money. It was in their self-interest. Why were there communities that wanted to put poor, poor black people away from them? to segregate them? Why, why did they flood, uh, why, why did, you know, a lot of white people or people who um, were, were more kind of in the upper, upper class economically, why did they leave the cities en masse and flood the suburbs? You know, was it because they, they just hated black people? Or was it out of self-interest? Right, going back to the James Baldwin quote, right? Was it because, you know, a lot of people say they care, but what they really care about is their safety 
and their prophets. There's a lot to untangle. It is so easy to lose heart. But what we see with Jesus and what the Spirit is trying to bring about in the ministry of Jesus, and by the way, that means we continue this ministry. What the Spirit is trying to bring about in our ministry, in our lives, is for us to continue the work of justice faithfully. Jesus will not grow faint. You, led by the Spirit, will not go faint faint or be discouraged until Jesus has established justice in the earth. I know that it just sounds like words sometimes, but this is what the Spirit wants to bring about in us. we got to find a way to guard ourselves against discouragement. we got to find a way to be able to do this for the long haul, because that's what this is about, right? Now, going into next week, um, I mean, you can already see shades of this coming out. The next stage is one of the hardest. It's depression. It's when you realize how hard it is for some of these things to change. And it seems somewhat impossible. Friends, at many, many stages in this process, people kind of jump off the, the, the train, right? They, they sort of like get off the justice train because they're like, hey, maybe they just get distracted by a shiny object, right? They get distracted by relationships or they get distracted by recreation. They get distracted by video games or YouTube or whatever, right? Um, maybe for some of us, it, it's, it just gets really hard and we're like, you know what, I just need a break and we get off the justice train because of that. Maybe we start to realize some of the ugliness that exists within ourselves and within our institutions that we benefit from. And we realize in order to change some of these things, it might actually affect us adversely. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Let, let's promote you know, black people. Let's, let's, let's get more minorities into positions that they weren't in before until it affects them. You all remember affirmative action, right? That one of those things was in, in a lot of uh, colleges. They were trying to get more black and brown people into colleges because, hey, if we want to lift up this whole society, right, the, the disproportionate amount of people who are getting higher educations and therefore access to higher paying jobs and all of this stuff that will trickle down into the communities, right? I mean, a lot of it will start with education. So you got to get them into college. Many, 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 many states have gotten rid of, of uh, affirmative action because they realize, wait, 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 wait. That means there's less spots for my kids, my white kids. I mean, let's be honest, my Asian kids. Wait, does that mean I may not get a spot because there's a disadvantaged or a, a you know, black or brown person? Hey, they didn't earn that. It's not fair. I earned this. Ooh, did you earn it? How, how did you earn it? I mean, did you naturally have more advantages than that person, than that black or brown person that got you to that spot? Was there whole institutions that propped you up and kept them down? So did you earn it? Ooh, these are hard questions, friends. And when we start getting into the weeds 
of, of uh, some of these issues. It's not just easy, as easy as a slogan. You can't just say Black Lives Matter and call it a day. If you really think that's true, if you really want to promote justice, if you want to see justice brought to victory, then we can't get discouraged when it gets hard, when it gets complicated, right? James Baldwin, this is another great quote from James Baldwin. He's got a bunch. He said, not everything faced can be changed, which is true, right? That's discouraging. But the truth is, nothing can be changed until it is faced. And so, brothers and sisters, in this whole process of life in the Spirit, you know, there's going to be times where it's hard for us to continue. There's going to be times where we aren't going to want to continue. But what I want to encourage us is to say, are we committed to the cause of justice? And if you are, then I want to encourage you, keep learning, keep reading. Don't turn away. Sometimes the stuff, it just gets, it it, it starts to, you know, build up. And, you know, you start to get tired or you start to get discouraged or you're like, hey, what's the point? You know, I mean, just for a lot of people in this country, I'm just going to call it what it is. Friends, I, I think there's a lot of people who are like, I already know this. I, I don't have a bad bone in my body. I'm not a racist, so they don't even bother looking. Because maybe we're afraid of what we'll see, right? Maybe subconsciously, we're, we're afraid that if we face it, if we see the truth of what this society has been built on and continues to be built on, we're going to have to face some real ugliness. But nothing can be changed until it is faced, So will you continue to read those books? Maybe there's someone who recommended a good book to you. I I got one for you, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Great one. I I quoted a couple lines from uh, I Am Not Your Negro uh, that is uh, based on the writings of James Baldwin. And uh, you can watch that documentary on uh, Amazon Prime for free. Maybe there's some of these things that we don't want to face anymore because it's gotten hard. Hey, Pastor Steve, get off my back, right? I said Black Lives Matter, okay? I changed my profile pic, all right? I did my job. Brothers and sisters, will you be bought off? Will we be the employer who just, you know, puts up the slogan, gives the turkey, but doesn't really change? Or are you in this for the long haul until Jesus brings justice to victory? So what can we do? There's a lot we can do. But at the same time, what, what, what I want to say is that, yeah, I mean, there's many things you can do. You can vote, right? Yeah, it, it, if you hear about justice or uh, institutions or businesses that are, are promoting uh, unjust practices, don't support them. Right? I mean, how many times do we compromise that? You know, how many times have you heard about, like, I don't know, there's a restaurant or there's, like, a company that makes, like, delicious food, and you hear about, like, all these unjust practices that they have, and people are like, oh, you shouldn't buy that. And then for me, I'm like, yeah, but it's really delicious. Like, I, I really like it. Is it going to really matter that I don't buy it? Just me? Am I going to make a difference? We get bought off too easily. 
brothers and sisters. I kind of think of us as like, do you remember um, the story with uh, Jacob and Esau? And Esau basically, uh, uh, Jacob basically um, buys uh, Esau's blessing, his birthright for a bowl of soup. And maybe we are bought off too easily. You know, hey, this is going to make you uncomfortable. Hey, you just, just focus on these shiny things. Focus on these things that will distract you. I think one of the things that, that is, is very encouraging is that there are people who are still in the streets. There are people who are still protesting. There are people who are still trying to get people to pay attention. You know, and sometimes, you know, the, the things that, that the media focuses on are the flashy things. Hey, look at these people and they're breaking windows and, you know, the police threw someone down and, you know, and, and they kind of stop broadcasting as much when it's just somebody just peacefully holding a sign, right? But it doesn't mean that this stops. And I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, what is the Spirit doing in the midst of America, in the midst of LGM, and in the midst of your own life? Is this just about us not feeling bad about ourselves, thinking of ourselves as not being a racist, just sort of kind of patting our conscience a little bit? Or is this about bringing justice to victory? Let's take a moment to pray, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And maybe if, if we can, just for a moment, um, I'm just really not going to say anything. I just want to give us a moment, just in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to just kind of soak for a moment. Because I do believe this is what the Spirit wants to do. Jesus wanted to bring justice to victory, but let's be honest. It didn't happen yet when Jesus died. So how was he going to do it? He was going to do it through you and me. He was going to do it through the church. This is our task. This is our mission. Right? So let's just take a moment to quiet our own spirits that can be very willful our own appetites, our own desires, our own wills can be bought off sometimes with a bowl of soup (laughs) or with the next sensational story that comes along. But as a follower of Christ who is led by the Spirit of God, I would hope that our desire would be to bring justice to victory, to be in it for the long haul. Read those books. I know it's not the flashiest thing. Watch those documentaries. Don't support businesses that are doing unjust things. Do some introspection. Press on. Carry on. Brothers and sisters, may we be in it for the long haul.
God, I remember these many moments where Jesus would see people who were suffering. And he would see them in their suffering, and his heart would break. And he would say to his followers, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few because so many of us are distracted. So many of us get bought off for a bowl of soup. So many of us stop paying attention when our social media feeds stop pinging. But Holy Spirit, may you move in this congregation, in in these people. May you move in my own heart that our desire may be for justice to be brought into full victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.